this episode, you will discover why an IBS diagnosis could actually be a good thing. Welcome to Gut Reactions, a podcast helping women to break free from symptoms, master their gut health and reclaim their lives. Here we talk all things IBS and absolutely nothing is off the table. I'm your host, Otavia, a nutritional therapist, and you guessed it, I'm an IBS warrior myself. In this podcast, we'll talk about the impact IBS has on our daily lives, how we can live well with IBS, and most importantly, how we could heal our IBS symptoms for good. Because let's be honest, living with IBS can be a little bit shit. Hello, welcome back to episode four of Gut Reactions. Four is actually my lucky number, so this one should be a good one. Yeah, welcome back to episode four. And today we are talking about how to know if you have IBS. I feel like maybe we could have done this one a little bit earlier than episode four, but at least we got it in here early enough. So yeah, we are going to talk about how to know if you actually have IBS. You may have been diagnosed already. You may be curious about your symptoms and think maybe you have it. Um, Or you may have actually been diagnosed, but still thinking, what the fuck? Why do I have this problem? If I have IBS, how do I fix it? We're also going to be revealing the worst and most outrageous advice about why avoiding FODMAPs or FODMAP foods could be more harm than good. That's going to be at the end of the episode, so stick around for that one. So we're going to discuss what you need to be experiencing to be diagnosed with IBS, why this isn't always really accurate or helpful, and also how to manage an IBS diagnosis when you get it. So If you're not sure or you don't know how you feel about your diagnosis, I mean, it's, I don't know about how you feel about it. If you haven't been diagnosed yet, maybe you feel a certain type of way. Maybe you feel confused or or scared. I don't know. If you have got diagnosis, maybe you have a similar experience to me where I felt really fobbed off or I just felt, I didn't feel any different really. I felt kind of worse than before I was diagnosed. (laughs) Because at least when I was seeking the diagnosis, I thought I would get a diagnosis and be like, oh, it's that. So if I've got X, I just do Y and then I'm better. With IBS, it was just, oh, yeah, it's just IBS. Like, okay, well, what is that? <laughs> Could they tell me? No. <laughs> they just told me, you just have to live with it. Take these peppermint capsules and relax. <laughs> Ten years on, I'm still not doing either. Um, but yeah, how do you feel about your diagnosis? Or how do you feel about the thought of getting a diagnosis? For some people, it's very anticlimactic because they're hoping for something that's going to validate how they feel when actually IBS doesn't really do that. It just feels a bit nothingy. But what do you need to be experienced to, I can't even talk now, what do you need to be experiencing to be diagnosed with IBS in the first place? If you've not listened to episode two, um, go and listen to that now. I would encourage you because that will give you a bit more information. But generally, the things to be experiencing are you know, they can be very varied. You all know this because you probably have varied symptoms, right? But generally it's things like bloating, maybe some cramping, diarrhea, constipation, or all of these in combination. Really, if this happens, you should be tested for other things first. So things like celiacs, maybe Crohn's or ulcerative colitis, especially for symptoms that are severe. But it's also worth knowing that not all diagnose, not all GPs will diagnose in the same way. So Yes, you need to be experiencing these symptoms, but one GP may have been diagnosing you, one might not diagnose you. So there will be, you know, you may have an experience where you weren't diagnosed and you wanted to be, but you weren't. You're like, why wasn't I? And my symptoms sound so similar to everybody else's. Why wasn't I diagnosed? It's because really 
some some GPs will um, diagnose and some just won't. I don't know. We'll have to ask them. We'll, we'll write a letter and be like, why is this? But I can't give the answer to that at this point. But why isn't it always accurate or helpful if we're diagnosed with IBS? Again, you'll know this. It's because it doesn't, know, it doesn't identify anything. It's like the Bermuda Triangle of gut problems. It's like just everything just disappears. All the answers become elusive. You're like, okay, IBS, well, what do I do now? Just live with it? Oh, okay. <laughs> just relax? Cool. Nice. But it's sort of like a label that's given when there's no other real known cause. But there could be a very specific cause, but it's just not identified in the medical model by physicians and doctors, like we spoke about in episode two, I want to say. So, yeah, the reason why it's not always accurate or helpful is because it doesn't identify the cause and it doesn't really tell you how to manage your symptoms, how to get rid of it. You'll know this because you're living this right now, right? It kind of resigns you to a life of it. And in some in some people's situations, definitely clients I've worked with and in my own situation, you're literally, you literally told, just you need to learn how to live with it. It's like, okay, what you're, so you're just telling me I have to live with this my entire life. Yeah, okay, great. That's not true. I'm calling bullshit on that. In the words of Melinda from Maths Australia 2023. What a queen. Anyway, how to manage an IBS diagnosis. The good thing is... <laughs> We're going to put our rose-tinted glasses on here, guys. If you have an IBS diagnosis or you're worried about getting one, the good thing is, and I am actually being serious here, the good thing is it's not something more serious. So a lot of the time, people I work with, I will say, let's go and get you checked out as a GP. <laughs> that sounds like I take them to the GP. <laughs> I encourage them to go alone. I don't hold their hand. Go and see a doctor. Get checked. Make sure you don't have anything like Crohn's or ulcerative colitis, celiacs. If you don't have that, great because IBS isn't a disease it's something that you know those other things we can also work with them too so don't worry about if you get diagnosed with them they can also be supported but IBS is a lot less intense in terms of the causes so the good thing is and it is a really good thing you know that it's not something more serious or something that's going to take longer to kind of work with right or be more difficult to manage it's also about understanding that it is something we can work on and we can improve, which is not something that we tend to hear very often. I don't know what your experience is, but I never had a positive experience of IBS. It was just something, like I say, I was told to learn to live with. I didn't want to live with it. <laughs> I wanted to live without it, okay? I wanted to be free and you do too. So something I will always recommend is seeking advice from what we call subclinical practitioner so someone who specializes in this area this is their remit a gut health specialist i will always recommend nutritional therapist because i am a nutritional therapist and i know that it helps people there will probably be other holistic practitioners you can work with who aren't nutritionists maybe they have a different discipline i don't know but if you can do that and you're in a position to do that would without a doubt recommend something that's really important if you have a diagnosis of ibs or you're worried about getting one is accepting that the medical model is not always geared up for this i think they are getting better now obviously my experience is almost 10 years ago and it's also relating to the people i work with now and them telling me stories about their experience of the medical model but just accepting that when you go to a gp and they say yep you just got ibs and it's just something that we don't know the cause for and you have to live with it if you know that's not true because you listen to this podcast you don't even have to tell them that. You can just say, okay, thanks, Doc. That's great. So nothing else going on, just IBS. Great. Going to go and listen to this podcast now, find a nutritionist, sort myself out. 
because the medical model aren't geared up for IBS. <laughs> I feel like they're all going to sue me. But it's true. They work with disease. We work with non-disease, right? So if you can accept this early, it will save you so much stress and time wasted, you know, worrying about it because you know, okay, they're saying it can't be cured. It's just not their remit. That's fair. They need to work with people who are in disease state. Let me go and find someone who works in IBS state. If you see it as a continuum also, right, from completely perfect, healthy, shiny, spanking new gut and along the other end of the spectrum is a diseased gut. It's riddled with problems. I don't know. You've got loads of ulcers. You've got loads of bacterial imbalance. You with IBS are somewhere on that spectrum. You're not completely at the diseased end. Otherwise, you probably would be diagnosed with disease, right? That's a good thing. So you're somewhere along the, the, the continuum. We're always somewhere along the continuum. You don't ever just stay stuck in one place. Like I said last week, I can be at a place of really good healthy gut and then I can relapse back into more IBS symptoms and then I can go back up the spectrum to more healthy gut and then I can relapse a little bit back down. That's the same for you. They're not always going to be stuck in one place. Our gut always wants to heal and get better. It just needs the tools and the environment to do it. So that being said, <laughs> we need to see what's actually going on. And yes, you need to work with your physician and your GP to make sure there's nothing else going on and also to do the tests that they need to do. But if you want to know what else could be happening and they're drawing a blank, like I say, go back and listen to episode two where we look at what IBS actually is and I explain the common causes. So if you listen to that, you'll know already. If not, go back and have a listen. But this is kind of how I encourage people to manage an IBS diagnosis because it puts you in a place of being more empowered right but in terms of how to know if you have IBS yes it can be from being diagnosed from a physician it can also be something that you just identify with and you've done all the tests and there's nothing else going on you have IBS symptoms the thing is <sighs> truth bomb guys it's going to maybe be a bit controversial there's no real such thing as IBS and I say that not to invalidate us all <laughs> myself included but because IBS, like we said, isn't a disease. It's a cluster of symptoms that have an unknown cause. Maybe you just have several food intolerances. Maybe you have an overgrowth of candida. Maybe you have a bit of gut inflammation because you have low stomach acid and you need to drink more water. <laughs> I don't know. You know what I mean? It, those are all very random examples. But all of the causes, they'll be very unique to each of us, right? They'll impact us in different ways. But that's kind of how you know if you have IBS. It's if you have the symptoms of it, okay? So if you wake up and you're constantly bloated, then you get constipation, then you're having diarrhea, bouts of diarrhea, or you can't eat certain foods. This is how you know if you have IBS because you have an irritable bowel that they've called a syndrome and your bowel's irritated by either something that we don't know. So it could be like we say, something internal like gut bacteria or something that you do know like oh I'm stressed fucking hell I've got bowling ball belly <laughs> you know what I mean something that you can see quite clearly yes that causes bloating that causes diarrhea like I was saying to you last week about the date you know that guy who asked me on a date <laughs> have you ever had this not necessarily being asked on a date but I'm sure you are all the time <laughs> that only happens to me once every blue moon but if you have an experience where something causes 
probably i don't know probably a regular amount of anxiety or stress or a bit of like tummy butterflies but oh my gosh the gut symptoms that come along with that are so disproportionate that is a sign of stress induced irritable bowel or i'm going to call it irritated bowel it's irritated right your bowel's not irritable it's irritated so there we go we're changing the whole diagnosis guys it's not even called irritable bowel syndrome anymore but yeah that is how to know if you have ibs and as promised, let's talk about the most outrageous advice revealed. So have you heard of FODMAPs, the FODMAP diet? You probably have. Many people are told to avoid FODMAP foods and they're told to avoid them maybe forever. And that tends to come from very random places, that advice. So in my experience, this has usually been dished out by non-holistic practitioners. So I'm talking about people who aren't nutritional therapists, for example. Maybe they're doctors. Maybe, if you like me, you've had an experience where a counsellor has told you to avoid FODMAP foods. I don't know what they teach you in counselling courses. If you're a counsellor, please let me know. Do they teach you about FODMAPs, FODMAP foods? I don't think so. So FODMAP foods are foods that can cause IBS symptoms because they ferment, right? And they can be difficult to digest. But the reason why it's bad to be told to just avoid these forever it's because generally FODMAP food removal, we use it as sort of like a, a tool to indicate if your gut is triggered by foods that ferment. If you remove all FODMAP foods and all of your symptoms go away, okay, great. We know your gut symptoms are caused by foods that ferment. Let's look at why that is. Is it because you don't have the gut bacteria to break down those foods and therefore you're getting symptoms, right? But we don't just say, okay, never eat those foods ever again. Ever, ever, ever. Well, firstly, because that's not addressing the reason why you can't digest them and secondly because those foods are usually quite useful or needed in producing gut bacteria that we need and to prove it i have a published article no not me i just mean i found one on the internet um published by harvard health and they talk about this specific issue so if you've ever heard this before maybe you haven't maybe it's the first time you're hearing it still still useful still interesting they said there is also concern that long-term restriction or exclusion of high FODMAP foods changes the makeup of bacterial colonies in the gut. So we're talking about the bacteria that live in your gut that we need to have a, fun a, a healthy functioning gut. This may negatively impact intestinal health and possibly worsen digestive issues over time. Okay, bear with me with this word. Oligosaccharides, a type of FODMAP food, in particular are an important energy source for beneficial bacteria, so the bacteria that we need in our gut to be healthy, right? This is particularly worrisome for individuals of IBS who have been shown to have lower levels of protective intestinal bacteria and higher levels of potentially harmful inflammatory microbes. This is still the article. This isn't me. This is me reading. Probiotics have been suggested to restore such bacterial imbalances, but this remains contentious. <laughs> apparently, according to them, and the America, American Gastroenterological, oh my god, that's a long word, association, recently published guidelines that recommended their use in IBS only when participating in research studies. Okay, I guess they say that last bit because, I don't know, maybe because it needs to be monitored, like I said before, you shouldn't really just take probiotics without being monitored by a health professional. That can be because also some probiotics can have a negative impact, especially if you have underlying health conditions. But also there are so many different strains and types of bacteria 
that you could take one and it do absolutely nothing for you. So there's no point really. You need to look at what one it is that you need. Um, like I said, OptiBac are a great company. Um, O-P-T-I-B-A-C. I'm sure they have customer support helplines. But they have scientifically researched their products and they have created different probiotics for different things. So if you have predominantly constipation-dominated IBS, there will probably be a, a specific probiotic for that. If it's more bloating, there will be one for that. So rather than just taking a generic probiotic, it will be one that contains the strains of bacteria that will be useful or have shown to be useful in scientific studies for your specific gut problem. So that's my rebuttal to the, to the Harvard Health published article and the American Gastroenterological Association. <laughs> don't come after me, guys. They got the big guns. I don't. So there we go. In this episode, we have talked about how to know if you have IBS, how to manage your IBS diagnosis, and also why it isn't always accurate or helpful if you do have an IBS diagnosis. And like we just talked about, the most outrageous advice revealed about FODMAPs. And if you enjoyed this episode, do us a favour. I say it every time, and I would really appreciate if you would just hit like, subscribe. I would appreciate it so much if you would give me a five-star review. That would be incredible really helps the algorithm, helps people find the podcast, and it helps us to grow our little community, our little IBS warrior community. We're normalising IBS, guys. It's not something we should be ashamed of, but it's also not something that we have to live with. Uh, so yeah, if you did enjoy this episode, do us a favour and hit like, subscribe and rate and review. And I will see you next week for another episode. Have a great week.